Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are live from the path. We're listening to live from the path. We're coming here from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper, and I just, I just spilled coffee. I just spilled coffee. Oh man! All right, all right. Here's what we got. Uh, what, wait, how much did you say? Twenty bucks? Yeah. How much is that? You figure. What? Hello. Hold on, hold on a second, Mike. Okay. Now try it. Hey. Okay, that's much better. Anyway. Okay. Something happened to you. You were gone completely. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Anyway, I, I spilled coffee everywhere. That's not your business. You leave me alone with that stuff. You're listening to Live from the Path. Uh, okay, here's what we got going on the show tonight. Uh, the first, first big question of the day is, uh, are we measuring the right things? Mike, give me, give me a preview. Uh, well, I think it was just something that I've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks, and I think I've been failing at thinking about it well. Uh, but I was considering how... Uh, we measure things not only corporately like as a church would, like on attendance or offering given or, I don't know, missions or how many campuses you got or how many views you got on YouTube or something. And uh, personally as well, like, you know, of, of, of stuff that you're involved in, like are, are you counting how many people that like you interact with or how many Jesus conversations you had in a day or, or even how often you read your Bible in a week? You know, so I, I think the broad question um, was is one – like, if we're counting things, are we counting the right things? Um, and two, should we be counting at all? Like, is, is any of it ours to count? How do you know if you're winning, Mike? What? That's, that's kind of the, a, a great question, yeah. right? I feel Am like I God supposed should, to win? I feel like God should answer those questions. Mm, okay, okay. All right, so the question is, should we be counting anything? If we are, what are the right things? And if we're not, uh, I mean, how, how do you, is it all right to even look out and go, how do I know whether I'm getting anything right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. We, I think we can hit up to that. Nathaniel, uh, so right before the show was starting, uh, Nathaniel was talking about a guy who said, used uh, the reference, uh, we got, uh, you can put 10,000 to flight and we got six. Meaning, hey, if, if God can do, get 10,000 with two, just think of what can happen with six. And I was unfamiliar with the reference, which probably tells you the last time I touched Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it's a number of years. Uh, Dan, when's the last? You're Deuteronomy Dan. When's the last time you were in Deuteronomy Dan? Uh, probably the last time we did Deuteronomy Dan, <laughs> uh, which was in nineteen or 2019, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Deuteronomy Dan's been a long time. Mike, do you remember the premise of Deuteronomy Dan? Uh, I, I wasn't it uh, that Dan would tell a story, and we had to decide whether it was from Deuteronomy or from today's news. I think it was a law, wasn't it? Like a oh, the, is this Old Testament law or is oh. this something I made up? Oh yeah yeah yeah. That's yeah right. okay yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. Do, That's right. Do, 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 I thought about it actually doing one of those again. It was probably <laughs> the best theme song we ever come up with. <laughs> like last week, I was poking around like, oh, yeah, Deuteronomy Dan. <laughs> I, I used to be Deuteronomy Dan. I, I was famous. <laughs> I was somebody back then. Anyway, it was from Deuteronomy 32. And uh, let's see. The English Standard Version says, how could one have chased a thousand and two have put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? Which is interesting, because the way that your man talked about it, Nathaniel, is if that there's power in the two, 
But Deuteronomy talks about it as the Lord gave him up. Uh, it's just that, that uh, he, he, he sold out the 10,000. <laughs> I'm not sure what that event that's in reference to. Uh, I believe that Deuteronomy 32 is it's, it's in the end of Deuteronomy. Is that like the Song of, Song of Moses? Am I in the right general area, Dan? Mm. Oh, hey, there's a context button. Yeah, Song of Moses. That's exactly what it is. If only they were wise, they could understand it. They would comprehend their fate. Uh, how could one man pursue a thousand or two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock, capital R, had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies can see from the Berean study Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, see, I always, I, I, I always, like, I get to the poetry stuff and the, like, little songs and stuff, and I think, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't it's do not it. speaking my language. I don't follow this. That, that's like, we have bands in here, and you guys are like, oh, that was so deep. This is, you guys have, like, actual things to say, and I'm going here, like, I was thinking about what I'm having for lunch tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just work. I'm, Pastrami's I'm, delicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, this is beautiful. <laughs> Psalm 31 or baked potato. I really feel that way about the Psalms. It's like, I... I, I really like folks that are like, they're like, I, I, I read the Psalms and uh, my favorite Psalm is blah, 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 blah. And they'll read it and you can just see their heart a flutter. And I'm like, I don't understand anything you just said. I like the ones when David says, I smite my enemy. Yeah. I would crush his teeth. I want that guy to die. Yeah. Can you do something about that? Love David. <laughs> that one, that one I can take in. Sometimes I'm not a very good Jesus guy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we need to, we need to. It's manly. The poetry is manly, boys. I'm not saying it ain't. I'm saying yeah. I'm not built for it. Okay. I'm I wish I could take it in better, get it. but I can't. I saw a quiz. It has been a while, but it was a quiz on ah. whether or not it was uh, a metal lyric or from from the Bible. Oh, oh, that's kind of fun. That would that would be fun. Yeah. So I, I get I get all messed up like when these linguistic guys get into this. Yeah, would you take like Matthew and you divide it by nineteen and you divide you know multiply it times two and every fourth verse it does something. I think no, I think it's Matthew sitting down and writing actually. But yeah, yeah. now that part remember that's the same way that, that that Steve Brooks who was part of the end of the world thing with Harold Camping that we talked to that that was all their big deal right like copping and pasting like a serial killer <laughs> looking for all these different words and phrases and go you know what I think the world is this date <laughs> I think you were wrong sir <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's telling the story of Jesus you yeah. I mean as, I'm sure as everyone has, has it, been but... since they started predicting the end of the world yeah. no one has yet to make it <laughs> uh, things we... that are like kind of considered to be like uh, uh, kind of on dance point but kind of off a of dance point where there's, <laughs> there's like um, like the the People say the the number seven represents completeness in the Bible, and, and or like in Genesis uh, uh, nine, table of nations ten. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's seventy seventy seven nations. I think that's so. so this is where you got me. I, I think that's right because I think that's that's that can be intentional. The translation of the Hebrew scriptures into English that varies even significantly from I don't know the Gutenberg Bible or something that you found some sort of count by page by paragraph by line that's ridiculous like that's foolish however an intentional Jewish writer who said who like does find significance in counts of things weaving a deeper story than uh, face value with those numbers and their consistent use of it that I, I can totally buy that I can totally, and it, because like here's the thing is there's a lot of literature that acts like that. Even modern day literature, it doesn't take as um, uh, not often in the same symbolic type of way, but like a lot of a lot of literature actually does that. There's subcontext to the story. There's there's words and symbols that are kind of driving you to a deeper meaning. We look at some of the biblical authors and we go, they didn't do it because I wouldn't have done it. 
And that's silly. I think that's accurate. And I, that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, that makes me feel like Deuteronomy Dan. <laughs> It'd be like, if, for example, when we use the phrase stars and stripes, that means that has context to it, has weight, right? But like, and if, if somebody else would use that phrase 600 years ago, they say stars and stripes. I, I don't know what they actually mean. We mean it stands for freedom and a, dem- a democratic government and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And like, the Jewish writers are that way a lot with numbers in the way that they pursue those. Or even with the alphabet, you know, a lot of the psalms are like just going through the alphabet. Yeah, they're acrostics, First, right? Yeah, 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 that's right. And I'm like, say, okay, but I do dorky things with acrostics. You know, I go fart, and it's like, well, that's fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> Athletics. What is the word acrostics? Mean? <laughs> I mean, it's so like it, um, it's making a poem out of a word. Uh, the first letter of each. I hate when thing. people do that. That makes yeah. me super mad. <laughs> I just destroyed the Psalms. It's like those crappy teamwork posters they put up at work or something. They're like, and then they explain the team. Together, and you're like, whatever. This is dumb. More, yeah. <laughs> so like the is it the was it is it the longest Psalm? Uh, like what? Yeah. I think it's the longest one is an acrostic. And I think it's I a double so. acrostic. Like I think it goes. It went before, back through it. I think so. Uh, or it repeats it or something. This is so good. We're gonna do it again. <laughs> no wonder I hate this <laughs> song. <backwards. But> <laughs> yeah, no good. But it's also a, a palindrome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means. Abba, Abba's the palindrome. Oh, it's the same forwards and backwards. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Well, so what did this two to a thousand mean? I'm sorry to I like that's what yeah, yeah. got me. I just like I don't even even know what it means. Right, what, so, what it's so it's not even it's not even literal, right? Like it's not saying. Um, in the, hold on, let me let me just bring up the whole. I got the chapter, but I never. There we go. What verse was it? Oh boy, the Song of Moses is long. Let's go thirty-two. I just make sure. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna st- I'm gonna start this. This is the context is um, Moses is talking to the people. This is kind of like Moses's farewell. Um, He's, he's teaching them uh, and guiding them because they will be moving forward without him. He's not allowed to enter the, into the promised land. Is he doing this in a rap? Uh, it's very possible. The context, the, the, the written Hebrew word does not denote <laughs> rap or hip-hop, but it's very possible. <laughs> All right, so starting at uh, verse 23, um, I, I, will, boy, I will heap disasters upon them. I will spin my arrows against them. They will be wasted from hunger and ravaged by pestilence and bitter plague. I will send the fangs of wild... These are people who are disobedient to God. Uh, I will send the fangs of wild beasts against them with the venom of vipers that slither in the dust. Now, this is poetic. Like, he doesn't have to say, like, I will attack them. Right? But, but, like, he's fangs of wild beasts upon the venom of vipers that slither in the dust. Outside, the sword will take their children, and inside, terror will strike the young man and the young woman, the infant and the gray-haired. And he done all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really did. That's right. I would have said that I would cut them to pieces and blot out their memory from mankind if I had not dreaded the taunt of the enemy, lest their adversaries misunderstand and say, our own hand has prevailed. It was not the Lord who did all this. So this is the point. He's setting them up to say, as you go into the promised land, you're going to find victory. Uh, I need you to recognize that this is not of your own doing. And so then he says, Israel is a nation devoid of counsel with no understanding among them. If only they were wise, they would understand it. They would comprehend their fate. How could one man pursue a thousand or two put 10,000 to flight? So like reasonably he's going, where have you succeeded with crazy undeniable odds? Yeah, right. And, and then did out- you go, oh, that must have been me. And they're oh, legit yeah, yeah. outnumbered on the way into the promised land. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They shouldn't, yeah. they shouldn't even got that as far as they did. Right, remember they got harassed in the valley of of sin. They got uh, they 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 went around. What was the Amorites? Um, they they should have they shouldn't have survived a lot of this already. And so that's what it's he's a rhetorical question. That's right, exactly. Okay. Like duh. And it wasn't really one to five thousand and two to ten thousand. Mm. He's using words to paint a picture, right? 
Uh, and so then it finishes, uh, how could one man pursue a thousand or two put ten thousand to, to flight unless the rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies concede. But their vine is from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah, to say the gods they rely on, um, what, what their, where their power strings come from. Their grapes are poisonous, their clusters are bitter, their wine is the venom of serpents, the deadly poison of cobras. Have I not stored up these things sealed within my vaults? Vengeance is mine, I will repay. See, we all remember that part. Yeah. The Lord does vengeance, I recall Love that. that verse. In due time, their foot will slip, for their day of disaster is near, and their doom is coming quickly. It's a little bit of a rough part, Deuteronomy. But but it's it's weird though because the opposite thing I think that 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 other that the fellow is getting at is true. It's not saying look what we can do with two. Uh, it's God going. Don't be so foolish to think you can do anything with two. If you're do- like if you're succeeding with two against ten thousand, the the glory belongs to God here. This isn't your own doing, and you are foolish. You lack wisdom to otherwise believe that that's the case. It's to your own detriment and blindness. Hmm. And to your buddy's thing, I mean, you're saying he's saying, "Hey, let's pray," and so you're in, you're pushing it the right direction. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, right. that part is right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So he's not, which is probably what he's getting completely at. wrong. Yeah, 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 not like, "Hey, we'll dominate." Uh, although, it, <laughs> let's get God on our side, dear Father God, let's we'll dominate. Down this company. <laughs> it's like the guy from last week. That's right. Yeah, that's, we, we, we were talking about that that one pastor. Maybe it was two weeks ago. Remember the guy, the pastor who's like that's showing the, the guy who spit in the eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Showing yeah. the guys all his buildings and going like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna dominate this city." I'm like, <laughs> you're you're ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that was uh, Deuteronomy 32. Okay, good. Oh, that was great. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't. I saw one. Just one quick article, um, and it says, with all eyes on the Olympics, China threatens house churches. Oh. Uh, so the house church movement is, is relatively big in China, uh, primarily because it doesn't draw near the attention as larger congregations do. Uh, you tend to get a larger congregation in China, then uh, the government tends to strong arm you and uh, mm-hmm. either monitor you or try to restrict the types of things that you're going to say and do. And so house churches, obviously, you work with a lot more autonomy and flexibility. They're still getting arrested and put in prison and this kind of thing when they get yeah. caught. But... Uh, Anyway, it says, with the Olympics on, uh, China's after him. Uh, the Olympics in Beijing are putting a spotlight on China's human rights abuses, and rightfully so. Uh, this is written by a guy named Bob Fu, which oh. is funny, because we've noticed that uh, consistently with um, uh, a lot of the, the Asian Olympians who are in the United States. They have, like, a very American first name, but then they've retained a very, like, Asian last name. Like, Bob Fu? Like, F-U? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. I'm sure he came out of the womb, Bob. Robert P. Fu. <laughs> For sure he did not. <laughs> There's, uh, I mean, uh, and, and they're always like very 1950s, 60s kind of American names. Like even um, there was an ice skater, an American, Karen Chen. So like obviously very, like a clearly Asian last name. And then Karen. Um, and there, was a, there were a, a few more where like the first name just isn't. You're like, no, no, no there's no way. What happened. There's no way. Anyway, uh, things were so bad for one house church that they fled together to South Korea. Now that same group of Chinese Christians could be repatriated. This is the dangerous reality for the 60 members of the Shenzhen Holy Reformed Church, nicknamed the Mayflower Church. South Korea has chosen to deny these asylum seekers, but they deserve a place in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Oh, he's trying to get them to come here. Oh. Uh, in China, Pastor Pan Yongyang and his congregation faced increasing pressure. By 2014, authorities were often interrogating them him multiple times a week urging him to join the Chinese Communist Party, approve three self-patriotic movement. I don't, I don't know. Yet refusing to teach party-approved doctrine, Pastor Pan resisted. Anyway, hmm. sounds like, uh, I don't know, it's not, a, it's not unexpected. Yeah. But uh, th- certain things we can be praying for for those folks. 
I've told you I've been in a Chinese home church, haven't I? Uh, I knew you were in China. No, tell me about it. We went, we went to, to a house church. Uh, Samuel Lamb was the pastor. He'd spent over 20 years in a hard labor prison. Uh, so he, he was like um, still, I mean, like he, he's an elderly man at this time. And, and what am I trying to say? He, I mean, he's crushed bones. I mean, it was like, you could tell he was in pain at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he loved God, and he just kept going. And, and I kept, uh, you know, at the time I'm thinking, there were like 15 of us in this group, 15 white Americans walking down the street single file to a secret house location, house church. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I don't think it's a secret. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Maybe we should split up or something. I think people may have noticed us. <laughs> um, but they, they had, they, he was on their radar, so he, and they would ask him to stop, and he'd say no, and they'd put him in prison, and he'd get out. And, like, he got crushed between like two uh, carts, like the heart, if you can think of like in the old cartoons, like the, the carts with rocks, you know, uh, like little train carts and things. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. I mean, I yep. Indiana carts, Jones. Coal style. carts or something. Yeah. And, and they'd. Put him full of right. He got crushed between two of them before, so he had like all, several bones broken. Um, and he's just a little guy. And uh, anyway, yeah, he was he was inspiring. Um, but it was just this little house, and he had like like multiple services throughout the week. He, they said over a thousand people were part of this house church, but it was like at a hundred at a time. Yeah, you know, and and, um, and they they'd go in there and they stand, they stand in the bathroom. That like it's so people were so wanting the gospel yeah. that, that they, they, they just couldn't keep people away. And um, then they, you know, anyway, it was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. And like, uh, I, you know, not to, you don't want to over-elevate it. There's multiple expressions of people loving and faithfully serving Jesus throughout the world. There is something that seems very uh, tactical, Right around house churches in China, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I do a house church in America. I mean, we could do something else, and it's probably too, like I don't have to do that. Um, but like house churches in China, as a matter of necessity, protection of gospel purity, um, and a reality that just like is is like somewhat hard to believe, right? Like, it's almost comical. Actually, we were talking about this with um, um, w- with Russia. So Russia was like Putin was at the uh, opening ceremonies. Did anybody watch? Anybody watch any Olympics? No. Uh, you take no. No one's taking any in. No. I, okay. So I watched. We watched the opening ceremonies. and We watched like a few events here and there, uh, and like uh, the only diplomat, like major dude that showed up to these these games besides the Xi Jinping, the the Chinese guy, was Vladimir Putin. And he yeah, was there. Yeah. And like. Like, of course, it was awkward. Like, the guys from Ukraine have to walk by him. And he's, <laughs> and he's sitting there, like, yawning and stuff. And you're like, this guy's it's, like, comically dastardly. Yeah. And, like, just like th- there's times, like, we can read maybe so passively, you know, uh, house church persecution in China. Because, like, it just seems so movie-ish. Like, some of the things yeah. that you're talking about. Like, it's, a, it's just foreign to us that, like, somebody's harassing an old man teaching about Jesus in his house. You're like, why would he even bother? But like, they, like the Chinese and the Russians, like, they just have a mind to say, like, no stone unturned uh, to, to kind of align things in, in a way that we, that we want it to be. And so it's just, um, it's easy to be passive about it, I think, mm-hmm. because it feels just so, like, other, otherworldly. I mean, time. even when we were in his home, speaking to him face-to-face, it was just not real. You know, it, it, was, just, it was just like... Hard to imagine, like no, you were, you were, you know, he was given some of the his prison stories, and it's like, I mean, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you're right here, I see you now, but, and you know, we had to be secretive because they were watching, and, and yeah, it was fascinating. It's just amazing to me. Yeah, there's a guy that I that I is actually a minister at the church I go to uh, here just recently, and I think Mike, I told you about this guy. Uh, he uh, was a 
youth minister in China at like an international, so people could go there legally, but they're they're not Chinese people. Oh yeah. Um, and he talks. He talked a little bit about home church, um, and he was doing a Bible study that we were going to, and uh, he got in the habit of praying with his eyes open because mm. of his time in China. He said, and maybe you, you can tell the story too, Dan. I don't know if you experienced that, but he said we we would pray, and if our eyes were closed, people would know that we're praying. So we just got in the habit of, you know. Being at home uh, and praying together, staring at each other, and it's it's weird at first. And then um, he was doing a a service in big church, people yeah. outside of the Bible study, and so I was just curious. So I was watching him pray, and he was staring at all of this. So everybody had their head <laughs> down. So I was, I was like, wow, he's for real. He's, he's not going yeah. away from this. That guy's the case. Totally true, or a Southern Baptist, and wants yeah. to make sure nobody's <laughs> fooling around. No sleeping. I see those eyes. <laughs> I see that hand. I see that hand. <laughs> I it's, it was, it's funny, right? It's like little stuff like that where like um you would catch like your when you're trying to to raise kids and you're trying to teach them how to pray or whatever and like your church is praying and your kids over there with their eyes wide open and you're like stop it. Yeah. Close your eyes. Be respectful. Do better than you're doing. Come Bow on. Your we, head like we the practice Bible this, you know. And here's here's a guy that's been suffering for Christ for 20 years, wide-eyed looking at everybody. And by the way, <laughs> I mean, it's just weird, like, the nuances of the parts of our faith that we, like, deem important or, like, you want to impress upon uh, either uh, a new believer or your kids or whatever, and you're like, China don't care about this, right? <laughs> they get to sneak into church. I'm, you know, excited my kids would be if we had to clandestine our way there. They're bored. Oh, we got to drive regular. Think if we had to, like, change two clothes and, and then, like, dump in a, a trunk or something. They'd be like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, let's go to church. Now, if they catch me, I won't see you for 20 years, kids. Yeah, you can't <laughs> yeah. tell them that part. They'd be Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just a reminder. Um, what, like, is there ways to? <coughs> excuse me. Um, it's hard to help underground churches. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not like giving to like a big box and going, "Hey, we want to buy Bibles. Here's ten thousand dollars. Go live your life." Uh, it's hard to give to, to give that kind of thing. And so, I think generally the feedback I've gotten from you know organizations that are trying to help underground type of churches is generally like, "Hey, your money isn't going to do much here. We don't need it. Don't try to." ship us Bibles or anything, you're just going to get everybody yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Like, just pray. Just pray. Uh, and, and frankly, a lot of, it was funny, you talk to a lot of those folks in, in Iran and China and um, places like that, and they're like, we're praying for America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they look out and go, uh, we just, uh, we feel like you guys are under, under a lot of pressure over there. And we're like, well, I was thinking the same. I'm just yeah. a lot more comfortable thinking about it. And I ain't no kidding, because like sometimes their blessing is that like, they at least know their enemy is well-defined. Uh-huh. Right, like they know exactly what they're up against, and they know what they can get away with and what they can't. And like when when you have a government that promotes freedom, which are I mean good on the on on its outskirts, um, then uh, as far as the law is concerned, everything is permissible. Right, even even moral moral issues or things that that the, you know Jesus would normally say, look, that's not what's best for you. We allow as part of the freedom of our of our government, you know, and so like. Um, at, I suppose at least when you have a, a more of a dictatorship or a, a communist type government, I mean, at least you know the whole thing's phony. <laughs> you know, you know exactly what's going on and why, and they'll come right up to your door and put you in jail and be done with it. But they'll also, but here we'll promote, you know, people a, a lifestyle or a thought process that will eventually destroy the people involved, and we'll give them financial backing and, and positive encouragement and go, yeah, you want some land? We'll help you. You know, that's that's sad, right? That's that's a lot harder to deal with. Yeah, actually, I think that that is quarrelsome um, in that 
uh, it's it's weird to look at somewhere like China and go and and say it's a blessing that your enemy is well defined. But like it, I totally get what you're saying. Like you can pick out the dastardly as it walks down the down the mile, whereas um, a lot of the the temptations or probably the temptations to like laziness or um, kind of being drafted into uh, what feels like a gift, but that comes with a poison. Um, it's a lot harder to recognize, and frankly, a lot easier to kind of roll into in a situation like most Western countries, to be honest. Actually, it's a thought process that I think probably differs wildly between cultures, right? Like um, a lot of people, I have a lot of discussions on on people who want to know um, what the Bible says you can't do. And I'm like, the Bible does a, spends a lot of work saying what you can do and what is best. And like it would be a complete waste of time to spill ink on all the things that are not the best. So God sets forth a way that he designed a world, and Jesus backs that up and says, this is how I was, has, God has designed you to live and how this world is to be done and done well, um, both for your joy and uh, the Father's glory. And then we go, but he didn't speak specifically to this thing. Can I do it? And Jesus goes, I didn't even talk about that. I told you what was best. That takes one page. Right. If I have to list out everything that's not best, then that Bible turns into eight million pages long. Right. So stop worrying about what's not best and focus on what Jesus says would, is best. And and those are the things that make uh, it really simple. Where it's where it's really handy to uh, have some things defined in front of you. Right. And so since our enemy can take a really foggy existence because it exists in the not best category, then you go, then you start weighing and measuring and go, well, is that kind of not best? Like, what's the weight of the not best? Right. Are we in the upper echelons, lower echelons? And, and Jesus goes, it's all not best. Yeah. It's all mess. Yeah. Walk away from that. We don't want that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, you're listening to Live from the Path. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us uh, so far this evening. We really do appreciate it. Before we get too far on the show, uh, just a reminder that uh, if you hate the show, and I think that's I think that's understandable if you've taken in any parts of it, and uh, you want to tell us about it, uh, use the Life in the Path Bob Eisenhower complaint line. That's 515-517-0085, 515-517-0085. That's a phone call or uh, the text message. In fact, I like the text message better. I never get to listen to messages, to be honest. I don't know. Text messages ruin me. And so if you leave a message that's more than like 15 seconds, I, I'm just going to have a hard time getting to it. So, I mean, if you love that, go ahead. But otherwise, uh, again, use the 515-517-0085. Call or text the uh, Life in the Path Bob Eisenhower uh, complaint line. And we'd love to hear from you as to uh, what about the show was bothering you today. I think that would be great. All right. Uh, so, Mike, we're going to get to the to prime question. Prime question is, uh, are we, should we be measuring, when it comes to the Christian faith, um, and you're, try, you're trying to look at your life, you look at the health of your church, look at the health of your walk with Jesus. Um, one, is it right to measure? If, you, if it is, what are the measures? If it's not, how do you, you know, is there no semblance of how to know um, or that you ever look around and take stock of how are things going? Yeah, so, oh, so let's start with uh, personal stuff, right? Like, why do you want to measure? Why would anybody want to do that? Uh, because they, they want to know... They need some sort of benchmark or barometer as to whether they're succeeding. So would we say, uh, like, on the whole, do we think that God doesn't provide that through prayer or mm, peace or, hmm, that's a good question. I don't know how I think God provides that, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to say that, like, I want to measure, like, uh, my gut instinct is, 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 
I, I know how many kids I have show up at youth group on Wednesday. Yep. When I don't have that many kids, I go, well, what happened? I'm slightly disappointed. Where'd them kids go? Yeah. Not really because, like, uh, you know, we take up an offering and more people lose more money. We don't take up an offering, right? I'm just, I don't know why they're not here. And I'm sad because maybe Jesus had something to say to them today and they missed it, right? So my benchmark is uh, I really wish you would have been there today. This thing that God had to say, maybe it was for you. Um, and so I, I count and I measure and I go, well, you know, we we're supposed to have 24. We only had 19. We missed five. Maybe this was a, been a banner day for them. Crap. I'm now I'm disappointed. Less than has occurred, right? And so same thing when uh, you you know you set up um, some times that you talk to folks or you know you have an accountability group or whatever, and you expected um, some type of transformation maybe to happen or some fellas that you were trying to help disciple and say, hey, you know let's 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 get on a Bible reading plan and talk about our what our marriages look like and stuff like that. And then six eight months later, you're like, boy, I feel like I'm just talking to the breeze here. Yep. Right? Everyone's like. Every week they show up and go, well, I didn't get to the Bible reading. You're like, what the, What do you mean you didn't get to it? And so here we are. You know, you keep steady with it, and six, eight months later, uh, I don't know, maybe you're not making a whole lot of ground. And so you want to kind of measure that and go, am I wasting my time? Am I doing good things? How long does it take for God to do a thing? Well, that really depends on a bunch of other stuff. So all this stuff being combined, um, it's, it's just stuff I was, I was thinking about and going, how can you properly measure, if you should be measuring at all, like where you're putting your time, the things that you're investing in through um, the power of the Holy Spirit, and like um, how do you keep, if, if you're not going to measure, or even if you are, what's some decent benchmarks into figuring out if you're even where you're supposed to be? Yeah, so maybe, maybe let's start with, um, start with the extremes so that you can find your way in. Um, is there a risk in measuring the wrong types of things? So let's how could you do it wrong? If you're going to measure things, in what instances or what examples would it be, hey, man, that's, that's probably not helpful? Uh, like, would these be examples of things where, like, these could be earthly successes and not necessarily God's successes, and so you're, you're pining on the wrong thing? Yeah, or so, like, let, let's say, let's go to your example. Hey, um, I decided to hold a Bible study. I feel like it's important. I want to study the Word, and I want to share it with other people. And uh, God sends, I don't know, six people. And for six months, you're, you're teaching in front of six people. Um, it to me the wrong measurement is to go. Why aren't there twenty people here? Like you got six, you got pe- six people who are coming for six months listening to somebody teach teach the word. Like, what are you bummed out about? And so, like that, that to me is like I think that measure measuring is detrimental um, at its most extreme view because it says I'm not satisfied with the number of people God has me ministering to. Yeah. So now, on the opposite side of that, there's a risk. Uh, there's all kinds of guys here. So this is, we'll go back to the house church world. There's all kinds of guys who run house churches, got six people in it, and you're related to five. And then you got the one guy who's just, he lives two street, two like two houses down, and he, he refused to go anywhere else. He wants to walk to church. Uh, that, <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's my motivation. <laughs> that's, yeah. This is close. I would like to walk. <laughs> that, uh, now, that guy goes 20 years, and he's still talking to the same six people. And it's not because God is like not sent people it's because he doesn't know how to teach the word correctly and he's abrasive and his house stinks i don't know like whatever there's all kinds of things where you're like just shut your eyes and go whatever i have must be what god sent and and he will bless it mm-hmm. like that's not always true and so closing your eyes and going and and refusing to have humility and learn from your situation of which you might actually be able to to reach more people or do a better job in the things that you're trying to faithfully serve god like that's on the opposite end 
of where like you will miss out by just going whatever I'm doing I do it and the Lord will bless because like there's all kinds of people who just stink at what they do they're not good representations of the representatives of Jesus and they never bothered to ask hey am I doing this well is there a reason like people come and then they don't stay like we should totally check that out yeah so so it kind of goes back to that conversation we we're having about the Chinese fellows is like um, it is. I, th- I think one of the major foundations here is knowing what God has you doing. Because then you're not worried about uh, measurements that aren't yours to take. right? So I, if I, for example, I can tell you with complete certainty that uh, God has me teaching youth group at, in my town. And I know that. So whether five people show up or 50 people show up, it doesn't matter. Yeah. My job is to hold youth group and teach it. That's all, that's all I know. And like, do you know how much comfort there is in that? Like to know that week after week after week, I don't have to come up with a scheme. I don't have to hope that like this is the way I, I get lost in this. I do this poorly, by the way. This is me not, uh, saying that like I sometimes I do get concerned about the numbers. And sometimes I do look ahead and go, I don't know if this particular uh, chapter of Matthew is going to, this ain't going to sit real well, right? But like uh, I can always re- rely back on the, and be confident in that I know exactly what God has me doing. Yep. And I got to change nothing. And I don't have to count anything. Nothing, except for I need to know how much soda to bring, right, to make sure people got to soda. But that's it. And so, um, like, to maybe wrap up some of the parts that I was thinking, like, if you're confident in the thing that God has you doing, if you submitted this thing to Jesus and said, look, I'm open, what do you have me doing? And he goes, I got something real, real tuned up for you. This is what I want you to do. Then I think you stop counting. That's, that's where I'm at, is I think you stop going, um, this is my army to count. This is God's army to count, and I won't be found uh, getting caught doing it. And so if you are faithful to the thing that God has you doing, um, God will handle the ends. Yeah, so that goes back to our evaluations. Um, Remember when you were talking about false teachers, we said, what's the sniff test? Like, if you don't know every point of doctrine, is there anything where you can, like, a good sniff test that says, hey, you should watch out? If, If the thing that they're saying, doing, or whatever elevates man... I'd be careful that it's not false, like it's a false teaching or it's heresy. If it's something, whatever they're saying or doing points back to and elevates Yahweh, then yeah, then it's probably not. And so the question is, is like, why are you counting? If you're counting for your own vindication, for your own feeling of superiority, your own confidence, um, then yes, I think you're missing out. Ooh, your own confidence. That's tough. That's tough. Because here's the thing is, is I think... Um, if, if we were going to use such a strict criteria like that, I think there's probably a lot of churches that promote church and not as much of promoting Yahweh. Yeah. And church is still people. Uh, tr- true, but, like, again, I, th- th- that's the problem with the measurements because these are all hard issues, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I say I, the, the reason, remember we talked about this, is, like, you got the gang of Methodists that shows up to, like, the, uh, the house-building event or something, and they got the, hey, we're with this Methodist ch- church. They're not... Some of them might be going, hey, man, I just want you to know that our church is cool. But really what they're thinking is, is like, I want people to know that, that we came out to love them, and I want to associate it with a name so that when they want to go somewhere or where they remember where God's people were out, that them, those guys in the shirts, I remember they were from that Methodist church. That's what they're thinking. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I, it's, it's, you can take the same action with a different heart. Uh, and you you can have one that's like wildly successful, and one where you're like uh, you're trying to build your own kingdom and it's failing. And so that's the hard part is that like I can't tell easily. I can't look at Nathaniel's motives 
and go, this is why he's doing the thing. Is he building his own kingdom or is he building God's? Well, sometimes we can't even look at our own motives. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, am, am, I, am I counting to see that I have all 100 sheep or do I get to 99 and say, oh, no, crap, one's gone. I better go looking. Right. You right. know what? I, I've, got a, I've got a job to do. Or am I like, yeah, but the one down the street has 90 and I've got That's 100. Right. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. We're we can cool lose church. one and still be on top. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so uh, this is always where you get um, – I think it's very, it feels very, uh, um, what's the right word I want? I want to say organic, but that's not the word I want. Um, it feels very hippy-dippy to be like, we don't count anything. But like, I would notice if one of my kids was missing. How would I notice it? Because I count them. I counted it. And I say, There's an empty chair. the car is supposed to be full. Where's that one kid? <laughs> and so... And it's totally fine, but my heart isn't, I want people to know I'm a parent of a mildly sized family, <laughs> or, or I want to go, where's my kid? Yeah. I love my kid. Where's he at? Uh, or, or as a notion of self-reflection, so like, I, I, I do master a house church. It is generally a pretty small gathering. I do certainly notice when people aren't there. Like, it's very obvious. Uh, even in, 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 you know, bigger churches, sometimes you can get away with because the lights are low and you don't know how many people are there. Yeah. Like, I know when no one's in there. And, like, and it probably causes me to go a, a proper thing, which is, um, I, am, I, am I well connected to these folks? Um, and does, does, our, does their relationship with this community feel like the kingdom of God or does it feel passive? Uh, and is there anything that we could be doing about that and as we think about them and their relationship or anything that we can do for them? Um, am I encouraging with true things about the word? I don't own whether people show up to Sunday morning. It's not my gig. It's, I, don't, I don't live their lives for them. But, like, it is always a good spot to go. And, like, actually, I, I thought about this. I was teaching Ezra over the last um, number of weeks, and, like, the first few they're just boring. Like, there's parts of Ezra that are boring, <laughs> uh, even to me. And, like, I love this stuff. And, like, I was, it caused me to think, you know, am I making the word of God boring? Am I, like, am I not spending enough time here? Am I not? Uh, and I, I think I came to the conclusion that I wasn't. The genealogy itself was a little bit boring. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it was fine. But it, it, rightfully, I looked at it and went, just make sure. Just make sure that, like, if the word of God in this particular section is, is something powerful and awesome, and I'm approaching it in such a way that it feels boring, and lame, then I want that refined in me, like directly. And, and then again, as long as it causes your heart to do the right things, and I come to the conclusion that that wasn't the case, well then, okay, great. Then the counting was beneficial. It wasn't self-grandizing. It was, am I serving the Lord rightly by doing some sort of measurement of some kind? Yeah. So, so I think, I mean, you could fairly say that like all counting is not bad and all counting is not good. Right, it's just like just about everything else. Yeah, yeah. Right, like things could be God honoring and things can be uh, not for the good of anybody, and so it it does come down to a heart issue. Now, how do you? I mean, if you wanted to follow that trail, then how do you make sure your heart's right with this thing? Uh, wait, Dan, did you have a thought? Well, go ahead, go ahead. I I, I have something, but I'll I can. No, you start because I was going to go uh, and hope something came to me within the few. <laughs> two, two well, seconds. I was going to say it was slightly <laughs> on a different. Uh, well, not same topic. Uh, during COVID, I, I'm in a number of, of like preacher groups on social media and stuff, and it was fascinating to me to see that the biggest. I mean, while people were fighting on mask or vaccine, you know, whatever, all the this stuff people fight, were fighting on, the preachers were like, so many of them were broken over the fact that their attendance had fallen. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought, how about you're broken that people are 
like scared. I mean, she, right, maybe right. you know, <laughs> right, you know right. how how about you know, like my, myself, I um at some point just plain stopped recording attendance. Mm-hmm. I thought because I can't trust myself with a number. Right, I'd see a number go, man, I'm really, I'm really upset. <laughs> like, okay, you're you're focused on the wrong thing. Yes. so I intentionally we dropped counting everything. And then a few months later, it's like, okay, I need to start counting again to see who, what sheep are gone. Right. Yeah. You know, some are just going to be gone, and, and some just need some encouragement. Some just got lazy. And, yeah. You know, and, and I started going through that process. But it was just fascinating to, to, to see uh, the, the lamenting uh, of these preachers because, oh, the attendance is really down and blah, 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 blah. blah. And I thought, that's it? That, that's, that's your goal in life? Is, is, right. You know, I mean, wow, how empty. No, no wonder people in overseas are praying for the American church because we're we we are worried about the wrong stuff. That's right. We're That's not worried right. about how their family's doing and how they're. Oh, uh, you, so your your cousin died. That's man. We, we should be with you. It's like we're just upset that you haven't been in church. That's you right. Know, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's, right. It, it was fascinating and sad. There's, a, there's actually quite a bit of that. Yeah. yeah. That's not that's not a low amount of things where like, hey, if you're not going to show up on Sunday, then. Um, you know, I, I, we don't have anything to offer time you. For you. You don't want to be part of this family, fine. And like, like God's heart is not that. God's heart's like, you've always been part of the family. We just haven't seen you forever. What's happening? Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or yeah. like, like can can we can we lament over the fact that like by all reasonable appearances, if if church attendance or co- connection is down by half since COVID, that like half the people attending our churches had a relationship that was what feels so easily severed. From their church community, like mm-hmm. that's a that's a lamentable thing. It's also a, a blessing. Like now we know what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a blessing in there. Yeah, right. Like, the enemy that you know. That's right. Like, I, and I can see it's like, oh, I thought, I thought that was closer than that. Now I know where I can focus. And so, like, eyes open, counting, measuring. I think these are okay when you're counting to know what to to lament, not to know how how that what you think that says about you about your church brand about whether other people will come because of this thing that's going on over there that's the wrong that's the wrong focus so what about the I'm kind of jumping in here I'm I'm hearing a lot of discussion around the leaders mm-hmm. uh what about the the sheep so if I'm measuring something I'm I'm not preaching I, I'm not leading a house church yep. I'm not doing any of that so Mike you talked about before we started all this off like uh I read the bible 20 minutes a day, seven days a week. Uh, is that is that good enough for me if I'm measuring that? And so we know each other. You know I like to I like to look at data, and I like to measure things, and I like to gauge that on am I being successful as whatever I'm doing? And so is there is there an okay thing there for uh, a Jesus follower, a Christian, to say, I'm probably not doing this enough? And maybe maybe you pray about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, but I mean, like I think everyone's had this I... experience where you're like, God, just show me, you know, I feel like I need to be reading my Bible more. How much? And you know, God's like, I ain't answering that stupid question. Yeah. That's a dumb question. I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so like, um, yeah, I, there's, I think we, I like to, man, I don't even know if I have a good answer here. Yeah, so here, here's here what I would say is that like, um, again, it's, it's, I was still thinking, man. That's right. You say, uh, <laughs> Um, so <laughs> a lot of our a lot of our um, a lot of our goals are self imposed. They're arbitrary, right? Like mm-hmm. um, reading the Bible daily is not a biblical prescription. Now those guys were praying daily. 
they were, might even they might recite a good Jewish boy would recite the Shema to himself in the morning, mm-hmm. right? So like scripture is like flowing through them, but like that's not the same thing as hey, I gotta have my forty five minutes of Bible time, otherwise I'm not walking faithfully. So like a lot of our things are they're arbitrary. It doesn't mean they're bad, right? It's if we say, look, I know what it feels like for me to spend focused time in you know with Jesus, and it's not a, a chapter. Like, I know what it is to duck in. A chapter feels like it's tick box to me, to be honest. And so if I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down and read, I'd rather read three chapters every other day than I would to do a chapter a day because I'll treat the chapter a day flippantly, and I know that about myself. Some people can dive in and out. Some people can, like, take in and, like, read one verse, and they can sit and soak on it for ten minutes, and they're, like, refreshed. It builds the whole day, and they can handle themselves. The, I think the Spirit will work with you on that. Um, so, so in general, I do think it's a loosey-goosey, and I think it, is, it can be different. However, I think it is also okay to say, because uh, actually I was thinking about this, this lately, is on balance, um, let's say I spend you know, three or four days a week, I'm in, let's say I'm reading three chapters, maybe that's 10, 15 minutes or something at a time, three or four days a week. I think to myself, oh, you know, okay, maybe, maybe on par with better, maybe better than most, who knows, I'm reading quite a bit of scripture. But then I, I was thinking about the, that 15 minutes in relation to how often am I scrolling my phone? Uh, how much time did I spend, I don't know, staring at the ceiling? Taking a poop? Yeah. Looking at the cat. Yeah. Looking at the cat taking a poop. Yeah. While taking a poop. Yeah. Right? And so... <laughs> Why are we both pooping in here? <laughs> well, I mean, I have a window in the bathroom. <laughs> the, the cat knocks and goes, hey, you got any... Yeah. <laughs> Take your box out of here. <laughs> so, like, um, so then the notion of the count of how long, although was okay, I thought, relatively speaking, how does this sit in the level of my priorities? And I thought, you know, this doesn't reflect honor to me. I don't think it does. And I wasn't, I wouldn't have missed it except for I made a data comparison. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's all right. I think the data doesn't own you, but I think the count can influence you. I think it allows you to some way to put your world into a bucket. And, and to, to stratify it a bit and go, does this sniff right? If it does, then no problem. As a matter of fact, like data is always telling you a story. Like that's data's job. It's, it's like you put all that stuff together and you look at it in kind of different buckets and pictures and comparisons and you go, one, do I care about this? And two, what does it say about me that I may not notice? This is where data is awesome. Data oftentimes tells you a story that you didn't tell yourself. You didn't recognize it. And then so like I wouldn't if someone said, hey, man, do you, probably, you, love, you love looking at the phone more than you look, love taking in the Lord's word? I'm like, no way, man. No. I love the Lord's How word. How dare you? Yeah. And then if I, looked at the, if I looked at the time, just again, data in my mind, I go, uh, sure don't feel like as close as I was hoping. <laughs> and, so, and so I need to look at it. So, sorry, long-winded answer. Yeah. I think it's fine. I think, you, I think it doesn't own you. I think you, um, we got to be careful that we don't serve arbitrary things. Um, mm-hmm. But certainly, again, measuring and counting, all it does is allow you to evaluate is what I said is important, as important to me as I think. And am I behaving in, in a way that aligns with what I actually believe? So yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm for it as long as it doesn't control you. I was just thinking, like, I, I can't remember the last time we were talking about this, but we were talking about, um, like, the, the Bible wasn't available to, uh, you know, most folks. It wasn't mm-hmm. an everyday have it you know, in your house kind of item. Right, um, a whole church shared Paul's letter. Right. And only for, like, a week, and then they passed it on to somebody else. And then you got to hope so, like, some nerd somebody later remembers this. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Ted, you know this is on you. Tell us what it says. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I, I think about it a lot because, like, a lot of the advice I used to give when I was younger was, look, you need to spend uh, time praying and you need to spend time reading the Lord's Word. And I think both of those things are true. Um, and as I get older, I think I look around and I go, uh, I mean, I, 
I find a lot of folks that like, yes, I got to get back to this Bible reading. Yes, I got to spend time praying. I think that the praying I'm going to elevate just a little bit more. I think we are soaked uh, in Scripture more than anybody has been in history, right? But we have less outpouring of it, less uh, it doing work, right? Through like like I'm not going to say that it's not changing people because it is, but like it seems like it's more focused on. Uh, that's the measurement for me, whether I'm doing well or not, and not whether I'm out, outpouring that to somebody. I'm only saying that because I've been guilty of this, right? Yeah, like yeah. I spent so many years focused on how much prayer time and how much uh, Bible reading I was doing, and like I neglected it all that I was telling anybody about this great thing I knew. You know, like I was just crafting it in my own little world, you know? And so uh, I, I don't know if you can actually add that to account but I'm, it's certainly something to add to the prayer time. Well, like in, in Acts 6, when the, the apostles were, you know, were not meeting all the needs, and, mm-hmm. and they said, well, pick out six guys, that what they said they were going to devote themselves to the ministry, the prayer and the ministry of the word, right? right? Yep. It's like at some point, okay, it's great you're reading it every day, but why aren't you sitting down with coffee and talking it with someone else? Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yes, you know, yes, at, yes, at, yes. At some point, you share it. I mean, otherwise, why did you even read it? What, what good did it Faith do? Faith with that works? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, even if, and the question is, is that like, um, as much as I, I might say, um, we, we're, we're after gospel transfa- um, transformation, not behavior modification. We, mm-hmm. I usually say that in the context of, hey, man, don't beat people up with the word of God so that they stop doing something without a heart change. Yeah. That's also true for how we engage the stuff that feels like positive faithfulness. Like, it's behavior modification to go, I forced myself to read this Bible today. That's a completely different conversation than someone going, I met Jesus today in the scriptures. I wanted to meet him. Actually, when I look at my, I started the new year and I'm like, boy, what do I want to change? And I thought, I want to read my Bible more, but I don't want to be, read my Bible more just because I want to check it off. I, Jesus, the pages are soaked with the life and words of Jesus, and I want to be in them more. I, I need them. I desire them. And I'm not orient, orienting or prioritizing my life in such a way that reflects how much I know I want it. That's the gap. I just don't want to show someone a calendar. I don't want to hold a calendar up to Jesus and say, look, I read your book. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> like and that, that's the, and, but that's the thing. It's, it's going to look, if you're, if you're peeping in my window on a, on a Thursday morning, it's going to look the same. You're not going to know whether I'm filling out the calendar or whether I want to meet Jesus. That's a heart, that's a heart question for me. Um, but the behavior is going to look the same, but that's gospel transformation, not just behavior modification. Mm-hmm. All right, so sum it up. Uh, it's all right to count. It's, it's totally okay. all right. It, counts and measures are totally fine. Just like anything else, if, where your behavior matches the heart of Jesus and aims for the growth of the kingdom and sees the world the way God does, then the things that you're doing with that, like counting, measuring, weighing, collecting, uh, are probably totally fine. Things of which you're trying to either posture as if you're something that you're not, things that lack humility, like, hey, I'm going to teach in this, this church for six year, or for 20 years to six people in my house, and like, if, some, if a brother came and told me, hey, man, uh, you're not doing it well, and that's why no one stays, or you're fickle, or you don't listen, or you refuse to answer any questions, and that's why people aren't coming, and you refuse to hear it, then you're building your own kingdom, not God's. And so if you're doing it with, you know, if you're doing with you without humility, if you're doing it something that focuses on you, builds your kingdom, makes you feel good, makes you feel bad, uh, then the weights and measures are probably not serving God. They're trying to serve you. Um, and like any time you're trying to serve you and not serve God, you're going to run into a problem, regardless of whether it's a counting problem uh, or some other kingdom building that you're trying to do.
Yeah, and and I suppose uh, to circle back to like from a church perspective, um, you if you're a leader in a church, you should be concerned that you uh, could be leading uh, yourself a little bit astray on this thing. I would get, I would get at least three to four people praying on that uh, that that you see things correctly and that God speaks to them if you get a little bit curvy. Yeah. I do find, and this is where, like, community, Christian community is great. Like, you get, uh, a pastor's, like, a little bit unique, but, like, it's why it's helpful. Dan's in the room, and there's other people that I, that, like, other pastors that I know and will meet with. Because, like, if you hear them talk, they're having the same, they're, they're looking out at the world going, shoot, man. Those, those guys aren't coming back. They're gone. And I didn't realize that it, our, what, like, our communal relationship was so thin, and I, and I, I mourn it. Um, and it helps, it helps you take in the world correctly, just like, again, not pastors, but like your ability to meet, if you're meeting and praying with other Christians and the accountability is good for this type of thing too, or just like, this is what Monday nights are beneficial for me. I hear other people who love Jesus, who are trying to follow him, talking about what it looks like. And it keeps me grounded and it keeps me humble and it help keeps me from looking at my life in isolation. Like I'm living my own personal world. Uh, Jesus had like told everybody to go out and do the same types of things. And so we should be able to learn and share and grow from each other. And so um, I think that is important, which means isolation is a real risk to that. Whether you're a pastor or whether you're like the person that goes, yeah, you know, since COVID, I'm a little bit, I don't know if I want to go back. And so we've just been churching at home. You know, I dig on house church, but like, that's not what you're doing. You're actually just avoiding. You're not in community. You're taking. That's a risk to you. Yeah, that's not good for you. Yeah, that's not, oh, hey, my church will be disappointed. You lost me. It's like, that's a, isolation is always a risk to people, whether it's groups of people, like small groups of people, or individuals specifically, right? Dig the guy who's like buck wild nude and scratching himself out, out in the graveyards that Jesus healed. Like, that guy's in isolation. He's away from everybody else. There's nothing that, that grounds him as a human. He's taking his own counsel, and it's driving him nuts. And so, like, anytime you're taking your own counsel because that's the only counsel available, like, you got to rectify that. Community helps to solve those types of things, and you're putting yourself at risk by doing that. The more you know. <laughs> I'm going to count that. <coughs> done. <laughs> done and done. Are you going to change anything after that conversation? You gonna read your Bible more? What are you thinking? Yeah, I no, actually I was thinking. <laughs> I, I do. I do think I uh, uh, for that for that very reason. I like the the more the more it brings the more it brings to bear in my mind. I think what did I? Uh, I had a few minutes here and there. It was a, it was a long day of work, and I was in meetings and talking to people most of the day. Uh, there's part of me that thought I was gonna do some push-ups. I'm like, hey man, I'm gonna get like 20 minutes. I'm gonna do some I'm gonna do some pushes in this thing. I did not do any pushes. I was busy. But then that's 20 minutes. I also haven't read my Bible today. I haven't taken it. I thought, well, shoot, man, maybe Bible first. Then pushes. And then pushes. <laughs> Got a, I don't know what a righteous amount of pushes is, but I feel like it's in the... 60. 60? Yeah. I don't even I think I could do 60. I mean, not at once. I'll do 20 and take a breather. <laughs> Nathaniel, how many pushes should I do at one time? Uh, until it hurts. Oh, so even if that's like eight, that's no yeah. problem. Yeah. Can you do pull? Can you do a pull up? You try to pull up, Ridley. Uh, it's been like a month or so, but yeah. How many? One. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> way. Yeah. I think I can do one. Check that off my list. <laughs> Maybe two. I can do one of those jumping ones you can do at the playground when your kids are around, like where you jump up onto a bar that's taller than you and use that inertia to kind of pull up <laughs> and do one. <laughs> and then as soon as I go down, I go, ah, still got it. Biceps. <laughs> 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 Okay, hey, hey, we're on, we're on fire. Except for Nathaniel did the the dragon blow into the microphone. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> let's give some advice while we're topping the heap. Okay, ready? Yep. Dear life from the path. I've been married to my husband, quotes Derek, for thirty two years. 
We consider each other to be our best friend, except he refuses to allow me to see or use his iPad. That seems like a best friend behavior, sure. He has it password protected. Derek and I have been together since high school and have maintained a very good relationship. I'm not sure why it bothers me so much that he refuses to let me see his text messages or emails. I don't think he's cheating, but my intuition is sending me warning signals that this can't be good. Should I be concerned, and should I confront him? Okay, I would, I would ask only probably one contextual question. Otherwise, I, uh, I feel very strongly about this. Um, is, this, is, this temp, is this recently, and, and it feels like for a short amount of time, or does this seem like a very long time? Because mm. if he's trying to hide a cruise from you or something, yeah, I feel like it's for the it's it's been going on a while. Okay, that's what I that's how it feels to me. Okay, I'm very much against this. Yeah, it, it should be having an open relationship. He, he's hiding porn. Dan, uh, Dan, do not use the phrase. They're supposed to have an open relationship. <laughs> not in the way that means. It came off differently than what you intended. <laughs> okay, Dan. Hey, maybe he's got a lot of friends in the neighborhood. Okay, Dan says there's pornography on that iPad. Yeah, I don't even think it's an affair. I think it's just porn. Yeah, and he's embarrassed. And he doesn't want to know it. Yeah, not embarrassed enough to stop looking at it, though. Yeah, yeah. Embarrassed enough to put a pin pad on there so people can't see him looking and at that's, it. That's the porn industry as a whole. We're all like, uh, I don't want other people to know, but I do like it. I uh, do like naked people. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I was saying, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think it, they've got a... Um, okay, well, can we just take a quick poll here? Uh, it's just a yay or nay. Does this man have porn on this iPad? Dan? Yes. Nathaniel? Absolutely. Steve? Most probably. Yep, I'm a yay. Yeah, my, my wife knows all my passwords to everything I've got, and she can at any time look at anything, and I don't care. Healthy yeah. living. So some some guy, like my office computer was, I was having, I lost something, and this IT guy was here in the church, and he goes, I don't want to look at your stuff. Look at anything. I don't. I don't there's there's nothing I have to hide here. <laughs> yeah, and it's like yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, I think that's right. If it's not an affair, then why would he also hide his text text massages then? I think I think it's uh, uh, she's assuming here because she's a woman, she's assuming it's text messages and emails he's hiding. That was the complaint line five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. Mike goes because she's a woman. That's well, why. here's the thing: <laughs> <laughs> the first thought in her mind is is like if I was going to do something secretive that I would have to hide. Yeah, uh, she doesn't go. It would be porn. A dude goes. It would be porn. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. She says relationship problem. We say probably probably porn. Naked ladies. Yeah. Also relationship yeah. problem. Yeah, also, also, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I think that's just a that's just a. a it's called pulling a Nathaniel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's just a perspective where she thinks it's text messages and emails of something nefarious, and like, uh, yeah, I, I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of interested is um, if she would have said what he, like when she said, "Hey, why can't I look in here?" I yeah. mean, certainly he he offered something up. Yeah, is it a work iPad? You can't look at work stuff. I, my wife has a work phone. Uh, I don't think she cares if I look at it, but I don't because it's yeah. Well, you wouldn't be all stuff. weird about it though. It's like, hey, can I search through your work phone? I would a open. Bit? <laughs> yeah, I would open. Like, if my wife wanted to look on my work computer, I would oh unlock it for her. If she mm-hmm. said, hey, I'm just curious, can I take a look? I wouldn't give her my work password. That's a problem. But like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I type it in and open it up and say, just let me know when it tries to go to sleep, and I'll open it again. Okay. So I gave my I gave my kids and my wife my work phone password, right? Because it's my my main phone. They changed all their passwords to the same password. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is exactly why I don't give passwords out because you can't. I don't know. It That's feels a like a password. security breach of some kind. But anyway, uh, I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> the way yeah. it flows. So, but I, I I here's the thing: is 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 
to answer her question, yeah, this is a problem. I, yeah. I, I there's 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 nothing ever beneficial about uh, secrecy. There there just isn't now the 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 cruise thing or whatever. Like, but yeah, I gotta be honest. Like, I'm so I'm so trained myself on this. Even I have a hard time like buying a, a gift for my wife because I like have cash in my pocket that's not in the bank account. It just feels real. Real dirty to me. Like I'm like I just this feels like I I, got, I should just put it in the bank account so everybody can see it, and then she so she never gets surprise gifts, which yeah. are good because I'm a bad gift buyer. Um, but overall, like it's it's not that big of a deal uh, to live honestly. And yeah, you should worry about you should have a concern if someone's not willing to live honestly. There you should be able to look through anybody's, uh, especially your husband's uh, phone, computer, dresser drawers, or mail. A car, whatever. I mean, it's shit. Everything's unlocked and open all the time because you live a life of integrity that says, "Yeah, who I am is who I say I am." So go mm-hmm. ahead, look yeah. at whatever you want. Yep. Okay. Uh, secular's advice. Secular says, "Has Derek always been this territorial, or is his secretiveness something fairly recent?" If it's the latter, then your intuition is telling you something important, and you should be concerned before you quotes confront him. Ask yourself what you intend to do if your worst fears are realized, and be prepared for that. Once that's done, tell your husband what you have told me, that hiding his texts and emails has made you afraid he has been straying, and you need reassurance. P.S. In the 33 years my late husband and I were together, I never, ever felt the need to look at his wallet, his mail or email, or phone, because he never gave me a reason to. He was always very open and told me I was welcome to. The reverse was also true. Neither of us kept secrets from from the other. This is what I would wish for you and Derek. Yeah. Yeah, I, here's the thing. You start hiding one thing, you're end up hiding ten things. And then you're going to hide the thing that you're hiding in other, other ways. Like, it's just no way to live. Like, what, you're totally missing out on um, the freedom that comes with being able to be open and honest with one person. It doesn't have to be everybody. You don't have to show everybody all your stuff, right? But this is the person. You agreed to live in this per- with this person in this person live, sharing your lives together, like, don't don't miss out on the the benefit that you get um, for being being able to be totally open and honest with someone. I know that feels like it's constraining you. It's not. It's a freedom, and so take advantage of the freedom. Don't 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 compromise that. This one's weird. I mean, weird, but kind of tough. Okay, dear life from the path. My wife and I have been married for forty years. Fifteen years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer and given eighteen months to live. Well, she is still around. Because of the illness and experimental medications, she was bedridden and her dementia grew steadily worse. Left with no other options because of problems with insurance, I placed her into a nursing facility six years ago. Mm. I'm s- six years ago. I'm still at an age in, uh, at which I have, I hope, many active years ahead of me. I visit her often, but I have need for companionship that she obviously can no longer fulfill. I'm friends with a few women, usually friends of friends, and from time to time have the urge to become closer. I go out to dinners, music venues, art shows, whatever. I'm torn about whether to live my remaining days in loneliness or pursue the possibilities. Is it wrong to want companionship in my situation? At what point should I explain my situation without scaring off a nice lady friend? Your opinion would be helpful to me as another perspective. It's got some layers. At, yeah. at what point? Well, day one, day one, just when you say you're married. I yeah. mean, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, th- they, I think that's sad. It's very sad. I, here's the thing. It's like there's yeah. no doubt it's tough. It's just yeah. not insurmountable. And it's yeah. also... Um, actually, it's funny. Like people uh, take the same tact when they do some things that really screw up their marriages or life. When they go, uh, like the temptation was too great. It wasn't though. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. You could have walked past it 
and taken a breath and had a glass of water and then... Yeah, and played the lottery or something. Like, do something else with your <laughs> Just time. about anything. And, like, there's no doubt, like, this is sad. And this is yeah. gut-wrenching. Yeah. And I totally get that part. But but the the vow is, is until death. <laughs> that's correct. So you, and, that's what I would do. I and would no, one made until, you, no one made you take yeah. it. You weren't forced up there. Yeah. Right? No one said Sickness you had to say... Hell. Here's the promise I'm making between you, me, and God, and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna be with my word and like tell death do us part. Even though and she like, doesn't even know it, it hasn't happened yet. That's right? not the point. Your yeah. word, it's the integrity thing. Your yeah. word means something because you said it, and I get it. It's sad. Uh, there's a lot of other sad stuff going on too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people got some a lot of sad stuff going on, and as uh, as as relatable as I think that people could uh, understand the situation that you're in, um, yeah, the answer is no. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think that's the right way to think about it. Is like, I, although I can certainly understand that it is indeed difficult. Mm-hmm. There is not an answer that makes it not difficult. Like it means you have yeah. to continue to walk through a difficult thing. Not that there's an option for this to be a lot easier. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's just hard. And it, and I get it. It's, it is real loneliness. I mean, he's lonely. He he he's he's doing this alone. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. But no. Mm-hmm. I'm going <laughs> Hold on. No. Steve, Steve goes. Mm. Steve, <laughs> I mean, hit me. I'm thinking I'm putting myself in this person's shoes, mm-hmm. and it would be a real big bummer. But uh, lady friends, I mean, yeah. I, I'd probably, hey, Mike, my wife's in the nursing home. You want to go uh, to a rock concert or something? <laughs> I'm not going to find another lady to do lady right, stuff right. with. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Do you want exactly. to eat chocolate? So, I mean, uh, Grant, I think everybody uh, in this room can uh, realize that, like, uh, wife companionship is different than hanging out with a dude companionship, right? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, once again, it's uh, it, can be, it can be handled. It can be dealt with. It can be worked through. And, like, you don't have to, like, be eating dog food at home by yourself, right? You can yeah. go out to a... A, a rock show with somebody or whatever. Going you to could dinner. go to a rock show every night if you want to. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. But like you're watching uh, the nursing home. That's right. You don't have to have. Um, uh, it was this. This goes to something we've talked about before. Where like people who have a problem give you like it's a false dilemma. They give you one path. Hey, should I stay at home, lonely hearts, uh, or can I step out on my wife because she's in a coma? Coma. Yeah, or a dementia. Yeah, those are the only two options in the world. Sure, friend. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Rock yeah. concert. Totally viable option. Yeah. Long John Silvers. All the time. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Take that, woman. Yeah. You yeah. gas it up. <clears throat> Work there three nights a week. Eat there four others. You can like, have free-flowing wind at your place all the time. Ain't nobody saying yeah. nothing. Yeah. Wah. Cut the breeze, ring a bell. You just love it. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and so, like, I, I, like I, I get that it's difficult. This is actually, this goes to the theme. Every t- We've saw, seen this in multiple advice requests. It's always dudes where, like, the wife dies or something, and they act like they just... Don't know how to even handle the world. Like, and so always, it's an old, like 65, 70 year old guys, as soon as their wife dies, bam, they're married in like a year. Oh, yeah. Or under. Yeah. 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 I've seen that many times. And yeah, like, yeah. I mean, fellas, there's a life to be lived here. There's, there's people who don't get married at all. Go talk to that guy. Go join a, yeah. like a, a group of guys who are like single and happy and at least reframe your world. Like I get that your world blew up. Like This is very hard because it sounds like we don't have sympathy for what you've lost, uh, what you were hoping for, than the way the world actually worked he out. He put her in there six years ago. Okay. He also said she's still around. That yeah, didn't sound that's very, a weird way to say it. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's still here. <laughs> she was supposed to die 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he's a real winner. This guy. <laughs> like, so get, regardless of whether it comes from something hard, like, there are, the reality is, is that you are not bound by only two options. Um, there's plenty of life to be lived. I mean, go c- commit yourself to charity. Work. There's all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. that fills the aches of your heart that don't require... I get it. He's, I think he's horny. I think he's trying to say, I'm used to having a wife around. She's been gone for a while. Six years. I want some attention. Too much. And I'm sorry. That isn't The, the bounds of which these things are holy and awesome uh, are the bounds of which you are still tied. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as that's a reality, then you remain bound. And so you're going to have to figure out something else. Uh, just like many people have before you, and they restrained from doing things that weren't good and did other things that were jolly in their lives, and you're just going to have to embrace it and stop acting like you only got one option. Dummy. Secular sin. So it took a turn. <laughs> we're like sympathetic. You know? I feel sorry for you, dummy. Ah, well, here's the thing. It's like, oh, once again, it really depends on whether he knows Jesus or not, but like that stuff that you're talking about belongs to your wife. It did before you got married. It did while you were married, and it does after she's after she's gone until you marry again, right? That's that's it. That stuff always belonged to your wife, right? And God said so. God says your attention in that area gets focused on this, uh, and that's the way it's going to be. And like I, I, you have to do better than you're doing. You're acting like a big pansy. Uh, okay, secular says, what happened to your wife is unfortunate, and you both have my sympathy. Wanting and needing companionship are normal. It is important to ask yourself, if the situation were reversed and you were in a nursing home suffering from dementia, to what extent would you want your wife to go on with her life? Oh, stop it. Mm. Whatever you decide after that, it is crucial you not forget you have a responsibility to make sure she's being well cared for. This means visiting her often to ensure it, because dementia patients do better when they know someone loves them. What kind of marriage advice is this? That's a, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander advice. So, like, you could ask the same thing about, hey, I was thinking about cheating on my wife. And as long as the wife's okay with it, because she would be okay with the husband, like somebody else doing it, then you should be okay. Yeah. It's I, like the previous question going, you should buy an iPad and lock it, and then not let him see any of it. That'll show <laughs> This is very mature, Yeah, this advice. This is dumb. Uh, she continues, last bit, as to how to explain the women that are, that, uh, that you are married, oh, as, as, as to how to explain to the ladies that you're dating uh, that you are married, well, the ones who are friends of friends already know that, and those you meet who do not know should be told during the course of your first serious conversation. It's the honorable thing to do. Now, do you think if it's too much of a risk for this guy to, ev- to go on any, like, kind of plutonic events with another single woman? I think that's fine. You think, Nathaniel? What do you think? Too risky? I wouldn't do it. But also, like, I just uh, talking to uh, women in general is not my my thing. That's you know, true. Other than my wife, barely. So just by the skin of your teeth, you got the one. Yeah, it's like I don't even know how to do this. <laughs> do, do I bring up the weather? <laughs> I guess. See, you've gained some weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> oh no, I meant no. I was. Oh, you. it's a hernia. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're right, Nathaniel. You're yeah, it's not, it's not my thing. <laughs> I don't know how I got the lady I have. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I, it's, I I don't know. I don't know. I have to think through that. I think that's risky because I, I think it starts you down a path that, like, maybe yeah. you're like, I think I can totally handle this, and you're three three movie dates in, and you're like, I cannot handle this. Yeah, it, it, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. Especially when you stick to the principles that we were just talking about. Yeah. You are kind of dancing. Like Steve says, there's plenty of dudes in the sea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like your mom, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Become a big brother, big sister. There's all, there's all kinds of really good options out there that don't require you to take out single ladies on the town. <laughs> okay, last one. Okay. Here we go. Dear Life from the Path, when a friend of mine quotes, 
makes dinner for invited guests. It's either take out Chinese food or deliver pizza. Hmm. Frankly, I'm sick of it. Last Thanksgiving, they invited me and several others over for dinner. You guessed it, Chinese food. Wait, I, for Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah. That's bold. I love, I love this person. Yeah. I told my friend I was surprised and not in the mood for Chinese food. Offered my apologies and left. Oh. We didn't talk for four months. Wow, you're a pain in the balls. This past year, I was again invited to Thanksgiving dinner. I declined and, when asked why, said, I'm sick and tired of what is being offered. Wow. The response was, then I guess I'll stop inviting you. And I don't need your friendship. I replied, glad. We were on the same page. Live from the past, this friend knows how to cook and could certainly order something different. Was I out of line? Yes. I have yeah. no regrets. The friendship has ended. Oh. <laughs> I neither do they. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> wow. That's both. <laughs> I'd buy you a burger, but you wouldn't take it. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I got to go back to the direct quotes. I'm sick and tired of what is being offered. Hey, man, you want to come over for Thanksgiving? I'm sick and tired of what is being offered. <laughs> well, then I guess I won't invite you, and I don't need your friendship. Good. We're on the same page. Actually, I don't know what you're—everybody what you're, Everybody agreed here. Like, you came to an understanding. They don't want you there. You don't want to be there. Why is she writing this? What's the problem? What's, yeah, yeah. What, it's already resolved. Yeah. Why don't you cook uh, some uh, chicken marsala at your own place <laughs> and be done with it? <laughs> Was I out of line? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure were. Yeah, you got zero counsel in your life, friend. Like the fact that you walked around for any amount of time past a minute. You should have said all that stuff, hung up the phone and went, yeah. <sighs> Boy, I acted like a real boob and a half there. Yeah. I'm going to have to make a phone call. Yeah. But no, you walked around for days going, you know who rock starred that? Oh, Clint Eastwood here. I done six-shootered that guy right up. Yeah. <laughs> and where can I get a posse of people to agree with me? Yeah. Or write into the newspaper. You want to come over for Thanksgiving? No one wants to cook another meal at Thanksgiving dinner. They just popped out a big old lunch at Thanksgiving. Are you? So do you think that's what's happening? I thought they might have been just doing takeout Chinese instead of like a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Now, this sounds like a bunch of youngins that went, hey, man, the festivities with the fam is over. Uh, you want to get together uh, for dinner? Maybe. I'll get Chinese or pizza or whatever. We ain't going to cook I up a that whole every other year. thing. Yeah. That's half the fun. It's trying yeah. to find a place that's open and get some pie. I don't even care whether they replaced. Because here's the thing. Let's say you're, you, they're replacing the Thanksgiving dinner with this. They yeah. do pizza and, and Chinese. And they go, hey, you want to come over? You go, no, that's okay. Thanks for inviting me. Why not? There's a solution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to spend time with my family. Don't make or, me say it. What's or, being offered? <laughs> I don't like your generosity. <laughs> Like, uh, I hate like, it when you buy me things. Here's the thing, and if you can't come out now, if you because you want a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, you've got other places or other options, you could go great. Uh, if if you're so against Chinese food that you're going to make a Chinese, uh, Thanksgiving spread for yourself, that's pathetic, and you should say it out loud. Yeah. That way, your friends could deride you about it. Yeah, but like, I, I mean, it's okay to say no, and say no twice, and do it graciously. I don't like. It's not that important to someone else. Like, this is not a personal offense to you. Like, if they only, if, they, if this person said, hey, I'm having a Thanksgiving dinner for just you, and I'm ordering Chinese every time, maybe you could take this personally. But other people are being invited, and yeah. other people are showing up. This is not about you, you selfish twit. Yeah, this is, this is pretty rough. Like, I'm assuming you have an outlook on life that goes, you mean you're having a, a get-together, and the menu is not catered to my specific tastes? Uh, not only am I not going to go, I'm going to tell you how much you suck. <laughs> yeah. Your whole personality and our friendship is bogus because you don't serve what I want on Thanksgiving. And I know you could You cook. could totally cook something. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah, you're the worst. I can't believe this person was your friend in the first place. Yeah. In fact, you should, I tell you what, here's my recommendation for you. 
uh, not only should you leave this situation where it lies, you should write this story down. You should take a clipping of what you sent in, get it laminated, and hand it to anybody you propose to be friends with, just so they know what they're getting into. Yeah. I turn out to be like this. Yeah, this is, how I, this is how I am. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> <expect> on Thanksgiving. <laughs> you should be well aware. Yeah, I'm a closet jerk. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty open about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neutral grain bar, anybody? <laughs> okay, Segular says, uh, wrapping up the advice. Segular says, when someone accepts an invitation to someone's home, rather than criticize the menu, they should be grateful for the hospitality being extended. Were you out of line? The way you phrased your reason for declining was rude. You could have inquired about the menu and asked if you could bring something more, quotes, traditional. It's fortunate you have no regrets that your relationship with your former host has ended. I'm pretty sure the feelings are mutual. Yeah. You think that's rude? That, hey, I'm a servant Chinese. Hey, do you mind if I bring some stuffing? No, I'll be like, oh, I guess, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. Bring whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you're just, you're the only guy, you're little Jack Horner over there eating <laughs> your own stuffing in the corner of the room. <laughs> I, can I think I hate your Chinese. <laughs> Most people don't even ask, right? Like if I say, uh, you know, we're doing burgers and brats or whatever, and it turns out they're not digging on that, like they just show up with their own macaroni salad and apricots, and they don't even say anything. And I don't say anything because, like, I, I know they brought it because they don't want to eat my stuff, right? I, there's no reason to embarrass anybody about any of this. Or go, I mean, like, how how shallow are you? Like, let's say you go over there and you went because they're your friends of yours and they serve Chinese and you really didn't feel like it. I mean, I don't know that you can't muscle down some rice. But, like, so you go, you just don't eat. You casually kind of take a little bit. You kind of pick at it for a while. Maybe people notice or don't. They're having a conversation. And, like, I mean, just don't eat. Eat something else later. Like, one meal, you can't boss your way through. Who can't eat a spring roll? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, skip the Mugu guy pan. But, I mean, yeah. everybody could throw down on a spring roll. Crab yeah. rangoon. It didn't even sound like they didn't like it, though. They were just sick of eating that. It was a straight insult. Because we had Chinese last year. Which, yeah, I can like, only like do this once. Months apart. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this once a year maximum. <laughs> and you paid for it both times. I'm sick of this. Boy, I mean, Let's mix I'm, it up. Let's get some Indian. <laughs> I mean, it said they did pizza. Yeah, I, I seriously, I, this is a high-maintenance friend. And uh, whoever had this dinner is lucky to be rid of them. Yeah. Hopefully they sit back and learn that, uh, and then come back to the friendship later with a different <clears throat> attitude. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a guy whose wife's in the nursing home who's looking to take somebody out on a date. Yeah, exactly right. right. <laughs> yeah, you should go out on a date with that guy. Maybe you can roast him too. <laughs> he can go back to his wife where he belongs. Yeah, you're both looking for a little variety. <laughs> uh, okay, th- thank you for hanging out with us on Live from the Path. We do appreciate it. Hey, if you need some advice, uh, I really would suggest that you don't get it from uh, internet fellas, Mm-mm. especially of our caliber and quality. But if you insist, you can use the Live from the Path Bob Eisler complaint line 515-517-0085. That's call or text. We'd be glad to yeah, not help you with your problem, uh, or at least do our best to say, look, there's a secular way of going about this things. Can, you know, a little off-axis Jesus fellas uh, have a direction of how you should handle your life? We so, should do a, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure if we did some data collection, realize that, like, we are against 90 to 95% of the complainer, of the person that wrote in asking for advice, we mm. decide it was your, your to blame. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Actually... Yeah. Or how often? Uh, so uh, two two things I'd like to know: how often do we align with the complainer, and then how often do we align with secular? Yeah, I bet that one's like uh, sixty forty or forty sixty. Yeah. I say forty percent of the time we're close, even if the justifications aren't right. Right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, thanks for hanging out. We appreciate it. Hey, there's um. Sorry, I was a little late. We got some back episodes up on uh, on the podcast and uh, a sweet teaser. Well, we might uh, kick off video here coming up pretty soon. We're working on some internet stuff around here, and so, um, and heck, might even be back live. We haven't been live in years. Mm. Um, and so we might be back on the, your favorite social platforms uh, 
live with Life in the Path, uh, potentially interacting with your chat and all kinds of stuff. I think you should do better things with your time. By the time we get in here, you probably should be spending time uh, with your spouse, telling your kids goodnight, uh, eating leftover Chinese with your friends, whatever. And so I don't know that I'd recommend you watch the show live, but uh, we may be here for you yeah. in case you dig on it. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, we do, again, appreciate you guys hanging out. And uh, we hope to see you next week. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.